When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. live from Florida's capital city. This is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Good afternoon and welcome, everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. And away we go. Good Monday. Great to be with you. Welcome back, college football. Yep. Ready to roll. I'm Jeff. Tom is here. He's at the Izzy Director Matthew in the house as well. Twitter at J Cameron Show. Thanks for being with us as always. Come on in, man. Come on in. Let's get to, as you well know, Saturday was the final Saturday without college football until 2024. And that means we have, if you're not counting the NFL, if you're counting the NFL, there's more. But uh, if you're not, it's uh, 20 straight Saturdays, friends. 20 straight Saturdays begins this Saturday where your nightmare is over. Your passion, your love, your commitment, your investment financially and emotionally pays off beginning this Saturday as you sit back and enjoy the greatest sport on earth. And you do so with those that you love, those that... uh, you are like-minded with and or love to bet against. (laughs) And you get to do so with your bookie and the degenerate at the bar that you've grown to like and everybody in between, which is what we do in the world of and the family that is college football. And so we made it. We all made it together. I celebrated uh, Saturday after uh, success over the weekend, success on Friday, everybody. Everything's good. We're all good. Everybody's ready to go. And then, of course, Florida State scrimmaged over the weekend. And all I do now, and I think all a lot of us have done, when you get through the two scrimmages and you've had the hard work put in by this football team, you kind of assess, you take back, you take stock, you sit back and take in a, you know, sort of a time to assess and say, all right, we're good. We're good, and for the most part, big time. And knock on wood, it stays that way because we all know it doesn't for everybody, and sometimes the years 
have seen seemingly been against you. Other times uh, you seem to get off scot-free, but I'm talking about the injury bug. Florida State finds themselves in a really good place as the countdown to college football begins this week. You get a team that got through it. That's what I like to say. The hard part where you got to hit, where you got to have those physical reps, where you got to compete, where you got to let the guys get after one another. Not just thud, but let's hit. Let's get after it. You get through a couple of those because you have to. You got to ready the body and the mind. You got to do those things. You got to find out what's what. And while there are still some question marks about certain starters at certain positions, I think there's no question mark about the fact that Florida State has gotten through the hard part. Now you just kind of want to put them in bubble wrap and say, let's get ready to play football. And, you know, they won't do that. There'll still be some physicality to this. But they've come out the other side, Tom, uh, and and made it through this camp uh, healthier than probably we would have, we you know, than we would have had a right to expect. So that is the good news, especially with competition being what it was. Welcome in, brother. Yeah, good afternoon, brother. Um, yes, I'm knocking on wood even as you're saying that and not me saying that because, you know, things can happen between now and kickoff against LSU just because camp is over and, and they're starting LSU install doesn't mean that they're not going to have some guys that are going to be at risk because it's football after all. But, yeah, there were some maybe some minor scares along the way, and that's just going to happen in a camp. There's attrition everywhere in college and pro. But by the time you got to the middle point of last week and you saw – you know, everything moving in the right direction. Yeah. And then the first, I think it's the first two minutes of, of Coach Norvell's address yesterday, which they, they broke early. They got done. They were supposed to be originally at noon. It was around 1045 that the interview happened. And he says no major injuries. It's like, oh, that's where you, that's okay. why I want him to lead with that. Every Just start with that. Yep. Yeah. And now with what this offense is and the depth that this team has across most positions, if not all positions, and some of the issues I'm hearing about what's going on at LSU camp, specifically in the defensive backfield, buddy, I, I, I wish we could kick this off today because I feel like as of today, LSU's got a whole lot more work to do than Florida State does to be ready for the first game. I, I think you're right. And and to get to what Tom's alluding to, uh, you, you know, you have a situation where Denver Harris, the five-star corner that came in from Texas A&M after being kicked out of Texas A&M, and by the way, uh, that's a, a, a five-alarm fire. If if you get a kid kicked out of Texas A and M, that's hard to do now. I mean, Jimbo Fisher will let some things slide. We know Jimbo Fisher will let some things slide. So you got to fight. And as desperate as they are to win, they kick that kid out. A malcontent, a problem from the day he got on campus. Denver Harris was. He gets to LSU. He's going to be the answer to their secondary prayers. They needed help there. They lost a lot. They had a major injury. They had a Syracuse transfer come in, but, you know, that's that. And then you have a bunch of freshmen. This was going to be the guy. And the new word out of, you know, that camp is that, hey, he was sent home. Now, it's not the first time uh, that he was sent home. He was a problem in the locker room. And that even when he plays, he's third on the depth chart. He can't win the job. So the guy they were counting on to be a lockdown corner may not even be on the team by the time we kick this game off. And if he is, he's made zero impact since arriving in a positive way. And again, we mentioned a major injury to that secondary as well. So if you listen to folks covering that camp and those that have had the opportunity to watch some of those practices and talk to Brian Kelly, you get a sense they are extremely concerned about the secondary. That is full stop. 
There's no caveat to that. That is, yeah, we're good on the offensive line. We're good at wide receiver. We're good at running back. We're good along the defensive line. We're scared to death about what our secondary is right now. For the for the expectations that LSU has to come into a season top six and, and have these kinds of concerns, it's really good. Obviously, it's really good for a Florida State offense that has a bevy of weapons that everybody is excited to watch play. We talk about the... Uh, the, the, the multiple facets of this offense and the differing kinds of talent, whether it's size, both physically you know thicker guys, but also taller guys, uh, that, that unbelievable reach for some of these guys that are impossible matchups for good secondaries, let alone those that are shaky and young. Then you have the shiftiness of some of the other guys in the slot. You have the ability to leave personnel on the field and play tempo against the group that is struggling to get stops right now in camp for LSU. So early on, yeah, if we could play today, the sense is that you would take Florida State the three all day long. You'd take Florida State on the money line all day long. You'd take Florida State, Tom, to drop a minimum of 34 on this LSU defense, a minimum of 34. Yeah, and I think that it would be uh, red zone failures or long drives for LSU sustained drives that that bleed the clock that would keep Florida State down or you know a batted ball something along those lines in order to keep Florida State down from the upper 30s or lower 40s. Now there is still time between now and kickoff, and that's why even if you're interested and you're in a state that allows you to do something like play the money line against LSU, it's gambling for a reason. So there could be developments that happen. Maybe LSU finds an answer. But right now, it sounds like they're awfully thin at corner. They might even like their top two, but they don't have much behind them. They don't know what they're going to do in the slot. One of their guys got hurt uh, in, in the scrimmage that the media could see on Saturday, came up with an arm injury on a tackle against their tight end, and he had to leave for the locker room. It's just you knock on wood that things continue to be smooth for Florida State. But in the key areas where they needed to be healthy or peaking at the right time in order to create depth, they're doing that, and I just – I really believe that what I've seen – it's tough sometimes, buddy. You know this. When a team is playing each other every day, you, you, sometimes you don't know what you're watching, especially last year. We had no frame of reference. How much better is Jordan really? What is Johnny going to be? Is Trey Benson fully healthy, and what is he going to look like when he doesn't wear a non-contact jersey? Like, all these questions. And they were answered early against LSU. But I get the sense this camp that the defense is pushing the offense in a way that if you got them honestly before the camp started, the offense didn't expect to be pushed this well by the defense. I think they're doing a good job of making the offense better. And I'm going to tell you that they've done that without pushing certain guys uh, to, 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 I guess, be in as, involved in as many snaps as they will be involved in in the regular season. So they've yeah. dialed it back for veteran players that are dealing with things or getting over things or aren't necessarily – uh, you know, needed to prove their value. So without getting myself in trouble about that, you know, a lot of people know that Verse was kind of in and out, you know, in terms of holding him back and then wearing a green jersey and those kinds of things. Now, obviously, he participated in the scrimmage. He was described as disruptive. Yeah, that's what he is. Every single time he plays football, he's a major disruptive force. This is a guy who last year, just by the numbers, had a very good season and didn't, and, and he probably missed upwards of where they would project him to play, I don't know, 200 snaps? So, you know, what's he going to be if he's healthy? Well, top 10 pick. 
Top 15 pick is what he's going to be. He'll be a nightmare, which opens things up for Patrick Payton on the other side or Gilbert Edmond, who has a ton of experience. You think about what they were or were not in the middle last year with all the injuries. I mean, Big Coop having to play with one arm was like half of the value that he would have normally been as an asset to you on the defensive line last year. They just played him because he was big, but he really couldn't make plays because of that injury. But he had to play a ton. You know, obviously Fabian Lovett missed most of the year after the LSU game, was not the same player. So all of a sudden you bring in a Braden Fisk and you have those two guys back that I just described, not Cooper, but Fabian and, and, and Verse, and then you've added to the list. And by the way, don't give up on Daryl Jackson just yet. Sometimes the political wrangling that you see going on ends up having an effect. Who knows if the horse trading going on between what the NCAA wants and what obviously politicians want, and you know what, maybe we make a deal here and we'll pass your NIL legislation, but you got to do the right thing by these kids who entered the transfer portal long before the rules shifted within the NCAA. I'm not saying that's going to happen. But I'm saying the more you read into that, the more you realize that it's not just Daryl Jackson, but others that may very well be getting a pass here soon. We'll see. It's not dead in the water. Just wanted to get that out there. There, There's still hope. Now, I don't know how soon that hope will pay off if it does at all. Could it be in time for the LSU game? Perhaps. Obviously, that would be ideal because let me say one other thing about that. Daryl Jackson has practiced. He has continued to practice. He's continued to be a part of that rotation. He would be ready to play football against LSU or anybody else tomorrow if that happened. If they announced that he's cleared, he could play tomorrow and he would be effective. He could even be dominant. He's played. He's been a part of all of this. So don't give up hope on that next. But that's the point, Tom. When we talk about this defense taking a step forward and we assume the offense is going to be good, and I think it's a rightful assumption. Hell, they were really good last year and all they did was better themselves. So – Now you look at it defensively, and let's say that you're that much better along this front, and you can provide some pressure, and you can stop offenses from running the football down your throat for long periods of time, like a lot of teams did last year, especially the better offenses. All of a sudden, you've got a dominant team in the league, and perhaps a dominant team that makes the college football playoff. That's where we sit on a Monday of week zero, by the way. Not just 20 straight Saturdays of college football coming your way. There are seven games that will make up this first week. Week zero has seven games. I guess you could say the highlight of that would be Navy, Notre Dame, I suppose. You could hope for a miracle that Navy somehow beats Notre Dame in Ireland, which is hilarious, by the way. And I was at that stadium. I know exactly where they're going to play there at Aviva in Dublin. Those fans are all pumped up. It'll be fun to watch the field that, uh, you know, I'll see that field this weekend at 2, I think it's 2.30 on NBC uh, is that first game. And I'll see, you know, I know where Florida State's coming out and I know what that field looks like and what those fans are like and what that neighborhood's look like. Who knows? Wouldn't it be fun if it was late in the third quarter and it was a close game? Could happen. We'll see. Freeman would start to get worried about his job already. UTEP, Jacksonville State, UMass, New Mexico State, Ohio, San Diego State, Hawaii and Vanderbilt, San Jose State and USC at night. That'll be fun, Tom. Maybe we'll drink and bet. What do you think? We'll just drink and bet the San Jose State-USC game. Uh, yes. What time is that kickoff? Uh, eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. All right. So Florida State has a practice on Saturday, seven twenty stretch and nine o'clock availability. Yeah, I'm not, 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 not going to go to that practice. It doesn't I, mean anything. I, I assumed you weren't. Yeah. And that's why you shook your head when I said Florida State has a, and you go, no, Florida State has a nothing. Yeah, they have for Jeff nothing for Jeff Florida Cameron. State. I'll tell you that right now. There's not a damn thing I can see on a Saturday right before they play. No, not doing it. 
I, I think I will be at a local watering hole, maybe in a corner pocket bar and grill after practice gets out on a Saturday for a giant beer and college football on the screen. How don't, can you turn that down this weekend? You got to take it. Don't mind if I do. And finally, the uh, late, late game. Well, uh, I guess about nine o'clock FIU and Louisiana Tech. And the funny part about this is that when I go through the stretch of games and I say to you, UTEP, Jacksonville State, UMass, New Mexico State, Ohio and San Diego State, Hawaii and Vanderbilt, San Jose State and Southern Cal. Well, and there's a little bit of lure there. When I say that to you, you go, yeah, I'm going to watch every one of them. I'm going to watch every one of them, and I'm going to freaking love it. It's the only time where a lineup like that would elicit that sort of response. Yeah, I am hoping for future betting purposes that USC's defense handles San Jose State's offense so that people get uh, this, this feeling you know, maybe the line moves a little bit, a couple of points towards USC or team totals move a little bit lower against USC than they would otherwise be. So you can pounce in week two on the fact that the Trojans defense is just not going to be very good. I'm looking for artificial inflation of numbers for week two or sorry, week one <laughs> yeah. because of week zero. I'm already playing that chess, man. There are some things I want to see on Saturday. Mostly, though, I just I do want to soak up what Aviva Stadium looks like from this side of the equation knowing that we'll be sitting there ourselves this time next year in glorious weather for a win over Georgia Tech. It will be a win over Georgia Tech, a lopsided affair, and it will be glorious weather because it usually is. A little overcast, cool, perfect, not hot, not humid, not the nonsense we're dealing with here in the States currently. But, yeah, that's all right. Oh, by the way, should be noted – uh, for those that uh, like to hear about these things, not surprising at all. Florida State defensive end Jared Verse has been named a first-team preseason All-American by the AP. You know, when you, you, you get used to it, Florida State's had a lot of these kinds of players, but um, it's not nothing to over, you know, to, it's not something to just roll your eyes at. Uh, it's hard to get guys off the edge that are these kinds of players, and we, they tend to make massive differences. If he plays to that expectation of uh, being an All-American and a top 15, top 20 pick, you have a game-in, game-out difference maker that teams have to account for. And again, they have others, but that's a superstar in the making. Yeah, coaches know how to look at film, um, obviously. But I do think that coaches will look at Florida State offers to edge rushers this offseason. I think they'll look at that a little bit closer, and maybe our competition won't just simply be Tennessee, like it was for the services of of Jared Verse. If I'm Alabama, if I'm Georgia, if I'm anybody who's a contender, I don't care what I have in my roster. If Florida State offers an unheralded dude a chance to play defensive end for them, I got to look at that guy a second time because, man, they knocked it out of the park with Jared Verse. And, man, they saw something in Jermaine Johnson that a lot of other programs didn't have the opportunity to see or maybe they got a good tip. But whatever it was, they're two in a row with first-round draft picks, period. Well, and I'll just mention that if you take a kid like Braden Fisk and you bring him in from Western Michigan and he ends up going in the first three rounds, and I think there's a very distinct possibility that that is going to happen. If that happens, then again, to your point about teams, scouts, you know, the way that you view Florida State's ability to analyze and project, yeah, it's, it's, it's a difference maker. If you're a player in the portal, if you are a recruit, all of a sudden you're thinking – these guys do a very good job of building on a solid foundation, bettering it, getting it to, to kind of 
mingle seamlessly within the culture in place and project into the NFL, which is ultimately where everybody wants to go. Yes, you're further emboldening people to take a good long look at your program moving forward. Am I crazy for thinking right in here, but I'll share it with everybody that Braden Fisk could be the defensive line MVP this season. I think he could be because he can do so many different things and he's going to free up some space for his teammates up front. Yeah. He's going to benefit from the fact that a, he is relentless. He is bigger and stronger and faster than people realize he cares deeply. Oh, by the way, he's surrounded by superstars. So he's not going to get the bulk of the attention early and he's going to have opportunities to dominate one-on-ones. And he's a guy that can disrupt from the inside, and you can kick him outside. He can do a lot of things to embarrass people in one-on-one situations. So I think he holds up well against the run. I think he creates a pass rush up the gut. Quarterbacks hate people at their feet. That dude's going to be at people's feet all day long. Yes, man, this is where... The greatest opportunity for Florida State to see a huge leap on the field in consistency lies. Defensive line, defense in general, two fingers to my eyes, two fingers back to you on defense. I've been talking about it a while now. I've made assumptions that could be proven wrong. We'll have that conversation if that happens. But I feel good about my assumptions with Florida State's offense being elite. What I want to see is the defense go from having been two years ago horrid to last year good to this year very good, as in dominant against the teams that you have better talent than and can hold your own against the elite teams of which you really only get two shots, maybe three in the ACC championship game, a fourth if you make the college football playoff, but you don't have too many opportunities. Those other games, Florida State's personnel should dominate. Can you create turnovers? Do you get pressure on the passer, which lead to those turnovers? Do you dominate the run in short-yarded situations? Do you put people down distance, problematic, time and again, drive in, drive out, which creates all that we're talking about, a shift in Florida State's defensive prowess? Jeff Cameron, Show 93.3, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply hello there podcasters oh don't worry i won't prattle on for two minutes like i do with some of the other reads zaxby's doesn't demand it of me <laughs> Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips. We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a party, a pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a 
beer. Giant thing. No. And Zaxby's. Worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just uh. make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so, peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Great to be with you. Good Monday. Welcome back, college football. We'll just say it over and over and over and over and over again. A mantra to celebrate time and again. Ah, it's glorious. I had the uh, occasion over the weekend. Took it easy, as one does, you know? Just kind of took it easy. But uh, at some point, I was in the kitchen. I was in the kitchen making uh, making some food for the family, and I glanced at my wife and said, you know, college football starts Saturday. And she rolled her eyes because she knows that uh, that's it. You don't get to talk to your husband for the next seven months. That's it. That's all. We're going. <laughs> We're done here. <laughs> just, I can just walk in the house and go, I'll hear, hey, uh, hon, do you, hey, whoa, whoa. Game starts in 15 minutes. I don't I don't know what you, you ask somebody else about throwing a game, but it's Tuesday. That's why I don't make the schedule. It's the way it works. Their games on Tuesdays, huh? They're not going to bet themselves. So then this is what happens. We keep, uh, we keep giving, Hey babe. Yep. Watching a game. That's code for stop your yapping. <laughs> Sometimes. Yep. Watching a game means, Quick, I could use a sandwich. It's been hours. Sometimes that's what that means. But see, the other months of the year, you know, doting on hand and foot. That's what I do. You got to build up equity, Tom. Yeah, I think maybe what we could do for a sponsor idea, if there's a florist out there, maybe we could just have it on retainer that on a Monday we have flowers sent to our, you know, Christie's place of employment. I could have it delivered to the house here while I'm doing press conference stuff or I'm at the studio, whatever. And it's like, here you go, babe. Sorry for the weekend. I wasn't here, but here are some beautiful flowers. And it's just every week. Boom. You get a little delivery. It's a football season Monday. Help her out her. It should have a little message like you can do for the, the notes that you send your family or your loved ones, your wife, your whatever. The note should just say, I'm sorry, but yes, there's a game tomorrow. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and so would you could you could spruce it up every other week with some chocolate. Like, you know, here's here's a little extra for you. I know. I know. Maction is back. Sorry about that. So here's some chocolate to help you with the maction. Or you could sit down and watch it with me and we could gamble together as a family. It's a, it's a wonderful time. You know, we could all celebrate uh, 
me being a degenerate gambler together. Uh, all right, so good afternoon, Jeff, writes Robert. Thanks, Robert. Good afternoon to you, too. Just an interesting question I always think about as a Noel fan. If you had to choose, who are you taking at defensive end uh, slash defensive tackle? Jared Verse, Jermaine Johnson, Brian Burns, or Demarcus Walker? Hey, credit, tons of credit to Brian Burns, who I, I whiffed on as a pro prospect. I think Brian Burns would overcome being undersized. Uh, he has, he's gotten bigger, he's retained speed, and he's a really good football player in the league. So I want to give credit where credit's due to Brian Burns, who I thought was a good college football player, kind of one-dimensional. He continued to blossom and get better and better. I'll admit it when I'm wrong. I was wrong about Brian Burns. Uh, So it depends, Robert. I mean, what do you want? You want to start a game tomorrow in college? I'm going to take the pro player. Uh, If you're going to talk about their careers in college, you know what? Demarcus Walker was a beast. Yeah. I mean, if we're just going to talk about what they accomplished here and we're basing it on that, Demarcus Walker was a nightmare for people. They moved him inside. They moved him outside. They lined him up and killed. He killed guards all the time on obvious passing downs. He really was a dynamic player for us. And, and if we're not just looking at pro projections and possibilities of what they'll become down the line and we're just talking about what they were here, then the answer is a resounding Demarcus Walker. I think so. I mean, not, Jared, again, no, no, what Jared's going to do this year will change the answer yeah. next year. Yeah, correct. I think I would take this question as look at what we have right now on the defensive line, and Jared could be removed and traded for one of these other guys, or you could leave Jared where he is. Well, you know, you wouldn't, you're right. You wouldn't do it. Uh, you, Jared versus potential this year is better than that of what Brian Burns was when he was here. Yep. And it's better than that of uh, Jermaine Johnson, although Jermaine was very good, and Demarcus Walker. But if it's by what they've accomplished as a knoll and the level of play they were at at the time they played their last game as a knoll, then the answer is Demarcus Walker. Demarcus Walker was so good, and, and there are a lot of knolls that have been you've been able to do this for over the years, but I don't know how many a defensive end. It's not as much as like receiver or you know certainly quarterback with our Heismans. Dalvin Cook at running back, work done, where you go, watch this. Like, you know something's coming. Watch this. And then they deliver on it. Like Dalvin Cook, if, it, if the ball was handed to him, especially against Miami, you could say, watch this, and then boom, he's gone to the house. Third and 11, you just say that. to Whoever you're watching the game with, you could be in the stands, you could be watching with your dad, you could be at home saying, watch 44 here, third and 11. He's just going to win. He's going to create a pressure. Right, they right. might throw it away. But he was impossible to block on third and passing. Impossible. It was fun to watch, wasn't it? Um, Phil writes, I've been waiting on an apology for years, Jeff. I've given a public apology to Brian Burns before. You just weren't tuned in, I don't suppose. I don't shy away from that stuff. I'm in the opinion-given business. I don't worry about what listeners and fans think. Broken clocks right twice a day. Those dumbasses can luck into a correct opinion. I'm I'm tasked with the responsibility of giving you one all the time, and I get a lot of them right. And I'm entertaining as hell, unlike most of the people that are listening or walking around this earth. So that's how that works. But just so you know, Phil, a thorough apology to Brian Burns, who went on to become much more than I projected him to be because I was wrong about Brian Burns. There you go. As far as uh, Glenn noting that uh, you're hearing some great things about Brock Glenn, yeah, man. Tom and I, if we had our druthers, would spend an hour on Brock Glenn. Not today, necessarily, but just like any given day, any slow moment of the show, 
we could go to commercial break and I could go, hey, let's talk some Brock Glenn. That yeah. kid, and you know who else, by the way, wants to talk about Brock Glenn? Jordan Travis. Same with uh, the quarterback coach and the other guys on the team. I mean, they love talking about Brock Glenn. He's been good since he stepped foot on campus. He hasn't missed a beat. Now, understand about Brock Glenn that, as with any true freshman, you're going to have some days where you go, woo, woo, tough day out there today, Brock. It happens, man. That's true for any true freshman anywhere, no matter how refined and talented, big, strong they may be, intelligent, whatever it might be. But all you want to see from any potential starter down the road when they get here or any highly valued or prized recruit when they arrive on campus is, okay, there is a getting used to it period. The speed of the game is what I'm talking about. And also the complexity of the playbook and these kinds of things where kids can look absolutely overwhelmed. You know, it's the funniest thing because it doesn't matter. I was talking about this last week at uh, my son's game. There, There's this, at any level of football, if you're new to it, and you step on the field, the first thing that can happen is it, you've never played, and you know you, you maybe you're better than the kids in the neighborhood that you've been playing with and having some fun with, but now you're playing organized ball, right? And there are those kids that have been playing for a while. And you get out there, and it overwhelms you a little bit. And then you adjust, and you get better, and all of a sudden you ascend, right? And then there's another level you're going to get to. You're going to move on to high school, and there's going to be seniors and juniors who are well more, well past where you are. They're more advanced. They're physically more imposing, and you have to adjust to that. And then let's say you're fortunate enough to go play college football. You're good enough. To, well, I don't care if it's the smallest college. You go to Elon or East Tennessee State or wherever you go, and you go there, and you think, you're, hey, man, I got – They want me to come play college football. I must be pretty good. You get there and you realize every one of the kids that are out there were the best players on their team. That's how they got. You know, they were were probably better than you or certainly as good as you. That's how they got a scholarship. Now, everywhere you look, the kid is good. That kid that's next to you that you is good. So if you're an elite player or a, a plus plus player, no matter the position, and you get to a place like Florida State, Imagine that adjustment when you look around and you see the level of strength and speed and ferocity the game is played with and the expectations of those coaches and the demands, and then you're adjusting to life on your own. and all. The, what you want to see is a kid who's overwhelmed maybe that first week a little bit show a slight sign of having adjusted and kind of made amends for certain things, maybe a little bit more anticipatory since we're talking about a quarterback. And then the next thing you know, now he looks almost downright comfortable when he gets reps. Now he kind of seems to have a an idea where he's going, an idea of what that expectation is, what the speed is, what the strengths and weaknesses are of his game and others. And the next thing you know, he's wowing you once or twice a week with these limited opportunities. That's the story of Brock Glenn since he's arrived here. He's been a kid that almost from day one made those adjustments, had the requisite strength, you know, throws a ball as well as you're going to see it thrown, and is a real talent. Uh, I don't think to answer your question that if tomorrow we were playing college football and Jordan Travis, knock on wood, this doesn't happen, went down and they had to turn to a backup quarterback that it would be Brock Glenn. I do not think you would put your freshman in that position. It doesn't mean he may not be the most capable of the bunch, but I think there's no doubt 
Rodemaker would be the guy that they'd turn to, and I understand that. He's played in college football games. He's been here for 15 years. He has to have a pretty good handle on this offense by now. He's proven it in a tight spot against Louisville when you had to have it on the road. The lights were bright. The pressure was immense, and he proved it. Do I think he's the long-term answer, meaning Tate would be the guy in 2024 as I sit here today? No, I don't. I don't think he is. But I think this year, if something were to happen to Jordan, Tate would, would go play. Do you agree with that, Tom? I do. I think it could get close later in the year. I don't think it's close right now. Um, perhaps when you get out of September and the battle rages on to the back half of the season, I often reference that month where you have the bye week, September 30th, but then it's Virginia Tech and Duke and Syracuse that you're playing at home. Maybe at that point of the year, he gets a little bit extra run. But I think I think right now, if they had their druthers, they'd put him in their four games, you know, if they have four blowout situations and retain the shirt. Um, but he's very impressive. Ira and I were entrenched together along with Aslan and Matt Lasser last week for the entirety of the, the five days in a row. And Ira and I, each day as we walk out of practice, we would talk about Brock and say, every day he does something every day. And he say, I'll give you two stories, one brief one. I think it was Thursday. Uh, it might have even been, no, it was Saturday. Sorry. So at the end, the, the quarterbacks are throwing at the target with the small nets. I mean, you see it if you're watching. Yeah, it's hard fun. Knocks, I, I was walking out of practice the other day. They were doing it. It's fun to watch. So Jordan throws one. It's just off by a hair. Really good throw. And then Brock hits one just as the uh, the air horn goes. He goes, at the buzzer! And it goes in. <laughs> and then he hits it. And he takes off. And I, and I go, oh, man. Every day. I mean, it was really, really impressive. And then earlier in the week, he makes a throw in 11-on-11. 11 11. And to give you a side part of the story, Mike Norvell watches every rep with great intensity when they go full 11-on-11. 11 11. You know where he stands. He's at where the safeties are. Yeah. And he's staring down the line to see what the quarterbacks do. It's the opposite of Jimbo. Jimbo used to stand behind the quarterback. Mike stands basically center field. Yes, he does. Brock made a decision in a play. I thought it was a good one. Mike calls Brock over. And while another quarterback is participating in the next rep, Mike is in a long, drawn-out conversation with Brock Glenn going over, if they do this, you can do that. How about this? What do you think about this? All right, all right. Now, what would your decision be there? It is a 45-second to yes. a minute conversation with Brock Glenn. There is a live rep going on. I've never seen him ignore one to have a conversation yeah, it tells you with everything you need another to know. player. It tells you everything you need to know. Unfortunately for that other player, it tells him what he needs to know, too. So that is, that's, that's the tough part. I'm, I'm, I'm repping over here, man. Right, and uh, I'm spending yeah, my time I'm spending with some Brock time Glenn. talking to Brock Glenn here. You go ahead and throw wherever the hell you're going to throw it. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey guys, our next partner is AG1, the daily foundational nutritional supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it quite literally every single day. I began using AG1 because I'll be honest with you, I don't like to take a bunch of pills and vitamins and I just wanted something that tastes great, was quick, and easy to remember, so I do it. I do it every morning when I wake up. I certainly have it right after my coffee and before I work out. 
And I will tell you this too, it is um, a simple, effective investment for your health. You can try AG1 and get five free AG1 travel packs and a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash JCS. Again, that's go to, uh, all you got to do is go to uh, drinkag1.com slash JCS. That's drinkag1.com slash JCS. Check it out. It's delicious. It's quick. It's easy. It's proven. Vitamins, probiotics, whole food source nutrients. Start your day with it. You'll feel better. I promise. Welcome back to the Jeff Cameron Show, sponsored by Legendary Home Loans, a mortgage experience designed around speed, simplicity, and customer service. Before you buy your next home, contact our friend Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans. Visit FSUHomeLoans.com, FSUHomeLoans.com. Jeff Cameron show, by the way, compelling storylines, storylines abound as we start college football. The other aspect of this, this year for Florida State, if we make that the central theme, and we do typically here, although we open things up to NFL and college football on the whole during the season, because that's what we do. We care about the fabric of football everywhere, right? But, uh, you know, the obvious one is Georgia trying to three-peat. They are the two-time reigning champions. And uh, I know that some people will say, oh, well, it's been done before. No, no, it really hasn't. Since the wire service, there's never been a team win back-to-back-to-back national titles. Now, you go all the way. That wire service started in 36. You go back before that, there were people saying that they were national champions because their best friend declared them to be national champions. So that doesn't that's fine. You know, you see a lot of schools, by the way, count those national championships, too. They're like, hey, we're national champs. Don't you know that uh, the guy at the local uh, pharmacist said we were champs in 22? And I'm going to beg you to argue different. But that's not the way it works. Post-36, the wire uh, championships, if you will, wire services, uh, it's never been done. So, a huge story there. Obviously, uh, we'll see if Alabama makes their way back into that group of the college football playoff era. Obviously, this is a guy who's in Nick Saban, who's always contended um, for national championships. If they miss out again, Alabama, it would be the first time that they did not contend for a national championship across consecutive seasons in the playoff era. That's how freaking good that guy's been. And Nick Saban hired Tommy Reese, who's 31 years old, to try to fix things, although I don't think their offense is the problem. Moving on. Uh, Deion Sanders in Colorado, over under four wins, gang. Over under four wins. You going under T. Lizzie? I'm leaning under on that one. I do think that there's an opportunity for him to impress, quote-unquote, in week one against a TCU program that's lost a lot. So if they keep it anywhere in the ballpark, let's say it's a – 31 to 10 final. I think that's a win for him. He can still spin it this year as long as they don't look like a 2 and 10 team that has no idea. So, he could still he could still come out with a with a pitch if they go 3 and 9 the right way, if you will. 
Other storylines uh, is the Heisman watch. That involves our very own Jordan Travis. Obviously, you know about Caleb Williams, who's already won it, but Michael Penix Jr. is great. J.J. McCarthy could be in that list. Blake Corum, uh, running back at Michigan, really, really good. There are plenty. Ohio State and Michigan, that's an interesting storyline as well. Seemed like Ohio State had that in perpetuity. Now it's been Michigan in back-to-back years. It's a talking point worth exploring and having fun with as well. By the way, Robert, I see you there, buddy. Appreciate you. We're close, boys. After digesting my maximum daily serving of camp slash scrimmage reports. By the way, I've had enough of those too, Robert. I'm not supposed to say that. Is it a hot take that Destin Hill is wide receiver three this year? Either way, what an impossibly impressive journey he's had. It's um, it's not a hot take necessarily. He's had a good camp. He's physically there. I think that he's got a real chance to play a pivotal role and everything that they do on offense this year, and by, you know, who knows, by second, third, fourth game of the year, he could very well be what you would consider uh, the standard wide receiver three, I guess. Uh, depends on the formations that they're in, but, yeah, he's going to play a ton. Yeah, I think uh, I agree. It's a week-to-week deal based upon game plan situation, what they want to do. They've got options galore, but he is not out of place. You know, they even said that in summer workouts. This is not somebody who looks like he's missed a couple of years of football and, and needs time. He uh, He's very hungry and motivated, and I think that's part of the battle. He stayed in very good shape, but Ron Dugans even said late last week that if there's work to be done, he wants to do it. I think Destin is trying to make up for lost time. He's certainly playing like that. The surprise story for Florida State, if we were looking for a hot take or something along those lines, I I don't know what it would be. I I guess maybe you could go to the running back room and pick somebody other than, say, Toa Feely or Rodney Hill to, to be the next best runner after Trey Benson. It's not a knock on those two individuals. Keziah Holmes yeah. could be that guy. I mean, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're, they've got a wonderful mix of running backs that can shine a different one every week, depending on the matchup as well. Yeah, that's that's a tough call. I think they all have roles that they can play right here, right now, and I think they might be divvied up with certain roles. I mean, we all know that Toafili's your slash. He's got everything that you want for somebody to catch the ball out of the backfield, good understanding of the offense. The rail route, the wheel, whatever you want to call it, that's a Toafili special. Um, but Kaziah, I think, can be a bruiser for you. If you, if you want a bruiser uh, to be able to handle short yardage goal line, I think that he's got a chance there. But Trey Benson, you pointed out last week, Trey Benson could just handle that because he's big well, and he strong. Should. So. He should. There's no reason to come off the field, man. You're a monster. Big, strong, can catch. All those things. Like, no reason for him. Now, again, you're not going to wear everybody down. You have viable options. you got to keep people happy. And there will be plenty of garbage time this year when Florida State's blowing people out to get all the running backs involved. I do think, and I saw where Optimus Klein put this in, in the chat there, and I'll, I'll give you credit. I, I, I've said all camp, and I continue to say that I think Jaheim Bell's a superstar. I think he has a chance to be the guy that we're all talking about as the season goes on. I just He's a mismatch. He's a problem for anybody. I would tell you he's a problem for Georgia. He's a problem for Alabama. He's a problem for Clemson. He'll be a problem for LSU. He's that kind of a player. Yeah, if we were going to do superlatives before the season started, uh, I would make him most likely to be the fan favorite at season's end is Jaheim Bell. 
because of how valuable he is, uh, how large of a human being he is, and the nasty nature with which he likes to finish plays. Mm -hmm. Everybody loves that. Look, if you go back and do the 2013 season retrospective of big plays and big moments, Nick O'Leary's in a few of them, but he's not in as many as Kelvin Benjamin or Rashad Green. But everybody remembers the play at Clemson. Everybody remembers that. When Kirk Herbstreit couldn't help himself, he went Gary Danielson in the moment. Woo, woo, with the big hit. Jaheim's going to do that this year, and it's going to be more than once. So people are going to love him by year's end. Yeah, I think that uh, not only will they love him by year's end, I think they'll love him after the LSU game. I I think he's going to show up big in that game. Mike does a great job. Alex Atkins does a great job. The two of them are fantastic when it comes to scheming up big plays for tight ends. They just didn't have a good one. <laughs> they, they've had to kind of work around sort of the averageness of that room, if you will, not try to just take unnecessary shots at guys, but they've they got a room now of real players. I mean, good players that can change because of the matchup problems. So, um, yeah, I, I, can you imagine keeping those two guys out on the field? Let's just say whether it's Biscuit and Jaheim Bell or Jaheim Bell and Kyle Morlock or however they want to do it and then not changing up personnel, you're able to keep Keon Coleman out there and Johnny Wilson and you play fast and and, yeah. and defenses are having to deal with that. That is that's a nightmare. Like you'd be sitting over there on the sideline as an offensive coordinator as a play caller just giggling. Uh, I think that they can. I think that they would. Uh, the more likely combo, just if you're looking for a variety of skill set, I think there's redundancy with Kyle Morlock's uh, receiving ability and some of the receivers you have, but Marquiston on the end of the line as a blocker, I mean, that is so valuable. And then you put him out there with Bell. They have been running tempo at times, and that's nothing, you know, Mike Norvell said that on the record. They don't look like they're out of shape. Jaheim and Marquiston at that size, they look like they can go fast if they want to. So, yeah, leave them out there, I say. Good times. Good times. And that was your tub talk. Show the floating thingy. Show him. Show him floating about on his back. My friends at Pinch a Penny. Tub talk, baby. Let's go. They make it easy. This is so damn easy. Affordable financing. Think about this. If you want a big-ass hot tub, $99 a month. Take a look at that massive selection, 12,000 square feet plus Greer Street just off of Capitol Circle, Pinch a Penny. Hour number two forthcoming. Stay with.